Chapter 22 The Bargain Charolais conducted the detective down the stairs and let him out of the front door, cursing and threatening vengeance as he went. Charolais took no notice of his words. He was the well-trained servant. He came back upstairs and on the landing called to Victor and Bernard. They came hurrying down, and the three of them went into the smoking room. "'Now we know where we are,' said Lupin, with cheerful briskness. "'Gouchard will be here in ten minutes with a warrant for my arrest. All of you clear out.' "'It won't be so precious easy. The house is watched,' said Charolais, "'and I'll bet it's watched back in front.' "'Well, slip out by the secret entrance. They haven't found that yet,' said Lupin. "'And meet me at the house at Passet.' Charolais and Bernard wanted no more telling— they ran to the bookcase and pressed the buttons. The bookcase slid aside, the doors opened, and disclosed the lift. They stepped into it. Victor had followed them. She paused and said, "'And you? Are you coming?' "'In an instant I shall slip out the same way,' he said. "'I'll wait for him. You go on,' said Victor, and the lift went down. Lupin went to the telephone, rang the bell, and put the receiver to his ear. "'You've no time to waste telephoning. "'They may be here at any moment,' cried Victor anxiously. "'I must. "'If I don't telephone, Sonia will come here. "'She will run right into Gouchard's arms. "'Why the devil don't they answer? "'They must be deaf.' "'And he rang the bell again. "'Let's go to her. "'Let's get out of here,' cried Victor, more anxiously. "'There really isn't any time to waste.' "'Go to her? "'But I don't know where she is.' "'I lost my head last night,' cried Lupin, suddenly anxious himself. "'Are you there?' he shouted into the telephone. "'She's at a little hotel near the Star. "'Are you there? "'But there are twenty hotels near the Star. "'Are you there? "'Oh, I did lose my head last night. "'Are you there? "'Oh, hang this telephone. "'Here I'm fighting with a piece of furniture, "'and every second is important.' "'He picked up the machine, shook it, saw that the wires were cut, and cried furiously. Ha! They've played the telephone trick on me. That's Gouchard, the swine. And now you can come along, cried Victor. But that's just what I can't do, he cried. But there's nothing more for you to do here, since you can no longer telephone, said Victor, bewildered. Lupin caught her arm and shook her, staring into her face with panic-stricken eyes. "'But you don't understand that, since I haven't telephoned, "'she'll come here,' he cried hoarsely. Five and twenty minutes past eight. "'At half-past eight she will start, start to come here.' "'His face had suddenly grown haggard. "'This new fear had brought back all the exhaustion of the night. "'His eyes were panic-stricken. "'But what about you?' said Victor, wringing her hands. "'What about her?' said Lupin and his voice thrilled with anguished dread. "'But you'll gain nothing by destroying both of you. Nothing at all.' "'I prefer it,' said Lupin slowly, with a suddenly stubborn air. "'But they're coming to take you,' cried Victor, gripping his arm. "'Take me,' cried Lupin, freeing himself quietly from her grip. And he stood frowning, plunged in deep thought, weighing the chances, the risks, seeking a plan— "'saving devices. 
he crossed the room to the writing table, opened a drawer, and took out a cardboard box about eight inches square, and set it on the table. "'They shall never take me alive,' he said gloomily. "'Oh, hush, hush,' said Victor. "'I know very well that you're capable of anything. "'And they, too. "'They'll destroy you. "'No, look you, you must go. "'They won't do anything to her, "'a child like that, so frail. "'She'll get off quite easily. "'You're coming, aren't you?' "'No, I'm not,' said Lupin stubbornly. "'Oh, well, if you won't,' said Victor. "'And with an air of resolution "'she went to the side of the lift-well "'and pressed the buttons.' The doors closed. The bookcase slid across. She sat down and folded her arms. "'What? You're not going to stop here,' cried Lupin. "'Make me stir if you can. I'm as fond of you as she is. You know I am,' said Victor, and her face set stonily obstinate. Lupin begged her to go, ordered her to go. He seized her by the shoulder, shook her, and abused her like a pickpocket, she would not stir. He abandoned the effort, sat down, and knitted his brow again in profound and painful thought, working out his plan. Now and again his eyes flashed, once or twice they twinkled. Victor watched his face with just the faintest hope on her own. It was past five and twenty minutes to nine when the front doorbell rang. They gazed at one another with an unspoken question on their lips. The eyes of Victor were scared, but in the eyes of Lupin, the light of battle was gathering. "'It's her,' said Victor, under her breath. "'No,' said Lupin, "'it's Gouchard.' He sprang to his feet with shining eyes. His lips were curved in a fighting smile. "'The game isn't lost yet,' he said, in a tense, quiet voice." I'm going to play it to the end. I have a card or two left still. Good cards. I'm still the Duke of Chamaras. He turned to her. Now listen to me, he said. Go down and open the door for him. What? You want me to? said Victor, in a shaky voice. Yes, I do. Listen to me carefully. When you've opened the door, slip out of it and watch the house. Don't go too far from it. "'Look out for Sonia. You'll see her coming. "'Stop her from entering. Victor, stop her from entering.' "'He spoke coolly, but his voice shook on the last words. "'But if Couchard arrests me,' said Victor, "'he won't. "'When he comes in, stand behind the door. "'He will be too eager to get to me to stop for you. "'Besides, for him, you don't count in the game. "'Once you're out of the house, I'll hold him here for, for half an hour.' "'That will leave you a margin. "'Sonia will hurry here. "'She should be here in twelve minutes. "'Get her away to the house at Passé. "'If I don't come, keep her there. "'She's to live with you. "'But I shall come.' "'As he spoke, he was pushing her towards the door. "'The bell rang again. "'They were at the top of the stairs. "'And suppose he does arrest me,' said Victor, breathlessly. "'Never mind. "'You must go all the same,' said Lupin. "'Don't give up hope. Trust to me. Go, go, for my sake.' "'I'm going, dearie,' said Victor, and she went down the stairs steadily, with a brave air. He watched her halfway down the flight. Then he muttered, "'If only she gets to Sonia in time.' 
He turned, went into the smoking room and shut the door. He sat quietly down in an easy chair, lighted a cigarette, and took up a paper. He heard the noise of the traffic in the street grow louder as the front door was opened. There was a pause. Then he heard the door bang. There was the sound of a hasty footstep on the stairs. The door flew open, and Gouchard bounced into the room. He stopped short in front of the door at the sight of Lupin, quietly reading, smoking at ease. He had expected to find the bird flown. He stood still, hesitating, shuffling his feet. All his doubts had returned. And Lupin smiled at him over the lowered paper. Gouchard pulled himself together by a violent effort and said jerkily, "'Good morning, Lupin.' "'Good morning, Monsieur Gouchard,' said Lupin, with an ambiguous smile and all the air of the Duke of Charmeras. "'You were expecting me. I hope I haven't kept you waiting,' said Gouchard, with an air of bravado. "'No, thank you. The time has passed quite quickly. I have so much to do in the morning always,' said Lupin. "'I hope you had a good night after that unfortunate business of the coronet. That was a disaster, and so unexpected, too.' Gouchard came a few steps into the room, still hesitating. "'You've a very charming house here,' he said with a sneer. "'It's central,' said Lupin carelessly. "'You must please excuse me if I cannot receive you as I should like, but all my servants have bolted. Those confounded detectives of yours have frightened them away.' "'You needn't bother about that. I shall catch them,' said Gouchard. "'If you do,' "'I'm sure I wish you joy of them. "'Do please keep your hat on,' said Lupin, with ironic politeness. "'Gouchard came slowly to the middle of the room, "'raising his hand to his hat, "'letting it fall again without taking it off. "'He sat down slowly facing him, "'and they gazed at one another "'with the wary eyes of duelists, "'crossing swords at the beginning of a duel. "'Did you get Monsieur Fomeray to sign a little warrant?' "'said Lupin.' "'in a caressing tone full of quiet mockery. "'I did,' said Gouchard, through his teeth. "'And have you got it on you?' said Lupin. "'I have,' said Gouchard. "'Against Lupin, or against the Duke of Chamorras?' said Lupin. "'Against Lupin, called Chamorras,' said Gouchard. "'Well, that ought to cover me pretty well. "'Why don't you arrest me? "'What are you waiting for?' said Lupin. His face was entirely serene, his eyes were careless, his tone indifferent. "'I'm not waiting for anything,' said Gouchard thickly. "'But it gives me such pleasure that I wish to enjoy this minute to the utmost, Lupin,' said Gouchard, and his eyes gloated on him. "'Lupin himself,' said Lupin, smiling. "'I hardly dare believe it,' said Gouchard. "'You're quite right not to,' said Lupin.' "'Yes, I hardly dare believe it. "'You alive, here at my mercy.' "'Oh, dear, no, not yet,' said Lupin. "'Yes,' said Gouchard, in a decisive tone. "'And ever so much more than you think.' "'He bent forwards towards him, with his hands on his knees, and said, "'Do you know where Sonia Kirchnoff is at this moment?' "'What?' said Lupin sharply. "'I ask if you know where Sonia Kirchnoff is.' "'said Gouchard slowly, lingering over the words. "'Do you?' said Lupin. 
"'I do,' said Gouchard, triumphantly. "'Where is she?' said Lupin, "'in a tone of utter incredulity. "'In a small hotel near the Star. "'The hotel has a telephone, "'and you can make sure,' said Gouchard. "'Indeed, that's very interesting. "'What's the number of it?' said Lupin, "'in a mocking tone. "'555 Central. "'Would you like to telephone to her?' said Gouchard.' and he smiled triumphantly at the disabled instrument. Lupin shook his head with a careless smile and said, "'Why should I telephone to her? What are you driving at?' "'Nothing. That's all,' said Gouchard, and he leant back in his chair with an ugly smile on his face. "'Evidently nothing, for after all, what has that child got to do with you? You're not interested in her, plainly. She's not big enough game for you.' "'It's me you are hunting. "'It's me you hate. "'It's me you want. "'I've played you tricks enough for that, you old scoundrel. "'So you're going to leave that child in peace. "'You're not going to revenge yourself on her. "'It's all very well for you to be a policeman. "'It's all very well for you to hate me. "'But there are things one does not do. "'There is a ring of menace and appeal "'in the deep, ringing tones of his voice. "'You're not going to do that, Gouchard.' "'You will not do it. "'Me, yes, anything you like. "'But her, her you must not touch.' "'He gazed at the detective with fierce, appealing eyes. "'That depends on you,' said Gouchard curtly. "'On me?' cried Lupin, in genuine surprise. "'Yes, I've a little bargain to propose to you,' said Gouchard. "'Have you?' said Lupin, and his watchful face was serene again. "'his smile almost pleasant. "'Yes,' said Gouchard, and he paused, hesitating. "'Well, what is it you want?' said Lupin. "'Out with it. Don't be shy about it.' "'I offer you—' "'You offer me,' cried Lupin. "'Then it isn't true. You're fooling me.' "'Reassure yourself,' said Gouchard coldly. "'To you personally, I offer nothing.' "'Then you are sincere,' said Lupin. "'And putting me out of the question?' "'I offer you liberty.' "'Who for? For my concierge?' said Lupin. "'Don't play the fool. "'You care only for a single person in the world. "'I hold you through her, Sonia Kirchnoff.' "'Lupin burst into a ringing, irrepressible laugh. "'Why, you're trying to blackmail me, you old sweep,' he cried. "'If you like to call it so,' said Gouchard coldly. Lupin rose and walked backwards and forwards across the room, frowning, calculating, glancing keenly at Gouchard, weighing him. Twice he looked at the clock. He stopped and said coldly, So be it. For the moment you're the stronger. That won't last. That won't last. But you offer me this child's liberty. That's my offer, said Gouchard, and his eyes brightened at the prospect of success. "'Her complete liberty, on your word of honor," said Lupin, "'and he had something of the air of a cat playing with a mouse. "'On my word of honor," said Gouchard. "'Can you do it?' said Lupin, with a sudden air of doubt, "'and he looked sharply from Gouchard to the clock. "'I undertake to do it,' said Gouchard confidently. "'But how?' said Lupin, looking at him with an expression of the gravest doubt. 
"'Oh, I'll put the thefts on your shoulders. "'That will let her out all right,' said Gouchard. "'I've certainly good broad shoulders,' said Lupin, with a bitter smile. "'He walked slowly up and down with an air that grew more and more depressed. "'It was almost the air of a beaten man. "'Then he stopped and faced Gouchard and said, "'And what is it you want in exchange?' "'Everything,' said Gouchard, with the air of a man who is winning. "'You must give me back the pictures, tapestry, "'Renaissance cabinets, the coronet, "'and all the information about the death of the Duke of Chamorras. "'Did you kill him?' "'If ever I commit suicide, you'll know all about it, my good Gouchard. "'You'll be there. You may even join me,' said Lupin grimly. "'He resumed his pacing up and down the room.' "'Done for, yes, I shall be done for,' he said presently. "'The fact is, you want my skin.' "'Yes, I want your skin,' said Gouchard, "'in a low, savage, vindictive tone. "'My skin,' said Lupin, thoughtfully. "'Are you going to do it? "'Think of that girl,' said Gouchard, "'in a fresh access of uneasy anxiety.' "'Lupin laughed. "'I can give you a glass of port,' he said, "'but I'm afraid that's all I can do for you.' "'I'll throw Victor in,' said Gouchard. "'What?' cried Lupin. "'You've arrested Victor?' "'There was a ring of utter dismay, "'almost despair in his tone. "'Yes, and I'll throw her in. "'She shall go scot-free. "'I won't bother with her,' said Gouchard eagerly. "'The front doorbell rang. "'Wait, wait, let me think,' said Lupin hoarsely. "'and he strove to adjust his jostling ideas "'to meet with a fresh plan, this fresh disaster. "'He stood listening with all his ears. "'There were footsteps on the stairs, and the door opened. "'Doucet stood on the threshold. "'Who is it?' said Gouchard. "'I accept. I accept everything,' cried Lupin, in a frantic tone. "'It's a tradesman. Am I to detain him?' said Doucet. "'You told me to let you know who came and take instructions.' "'A tradesman? Then I refuse,' cried Lupin, in an ecstasy of relief. "'No, you needn't keep him,' said Gouchard to Doucet. Doucet went out and shut the door. "'You refuse,' said Gouchard. "'I refuse,' said Lupin. "'I'm going to jail that girl,' said Gouchard savagely, and he took a step towards the door." "'Not for long,' said Lupin quietly. "'You have no proof.' "'She'll furnish the proof all right herself. "'Plenty of proofs,' said Gouchard brutally. "'What chance has a silly child like that got "'when we really start questioning her? "'A delicate creature like that will crumple up "'before the end of the third day's cross-examination.' "'You swine,' said Lupin. "'You know well enough that I can do it, "'on my head, with a feeble child like that.' "'And you know your code. Five years is the minimum,' said Gouchard, "'in a tone of relentless brutality, "'watching him carefully, sticking to his hope. "'By Jove I could wring your neck,' said Lupin, "'trembling with fury. "'By a violent effort he controlled himself "'and said thoughtfully, "'After all, if I give up everything to you, "'I shall be free to take it back one of these days.' "'Oh, no doubt, when you come out of prison,' said Gouchard, ironically, and he laughed a grim, jeering laugh. "'I've got to go to prison first,' said Lupin quietly. 
"'Pardon me. "'If you accept, I mean to arrest you,' said Gouchard. "'Manifestly, you'll arrest me if you can,' said Lupin. "'Do you accept?' said Gouchard. "'And again his voice quivered with anxiety. "'Well,' said Lupin. "'And he paused as if finally weighing the matter. "'Well,' said Gouchard, and his voice shook. "'Well, no,' said Lupin, and he laughed a mocking laugh. "'You won't?' said Gouchard between his teeth. "'No. You wish to catch me. "'This is just a ruse,' said Lupin, in quiet, measured tones. "'At bottom, you don't care a hang about Sonia, Mademoiselle Kirchnoff. "'You will not arrest her. "'And then, if you do, you have no proofs. "'There are no proofs. "'As for the pendant, you'd have to prove it. "'You can't prove it. "'You can't prove that it was in her possession one moment.' "'Where is the pendant?' "'He paused, and then went on in the same quiet tone. "'No, Gouchard, after having kept out of your clutches for the last ten years, "'I'm not going to be caught to save this child, who is not even in danger. "'She has a very useful friend in the Duke of Chamorras. "'I refuse.' "'Gouchard stared at him, scowling, biting his lips, "'seeking a fresh point of attack. "'For the moment he knew himself baffled,' but he still clung tenaciously to the struggle in which victory would be so precious. The front doorbell rang again. "'There's a lot of ringing at your bell this morning,' said Gouchard, under his breath, and hope sprang afresh in him. Again they stood silent, waiting. Doucet opened the door, put in his head, and said, "'It's Mademoiselle Kirchnoff.' "'Collar her! Here's the warrant! Collar her!' shouted Gouchard, with savage, triumphant joy. "'Never! You shan't touch her! By heaven, you shan't touch her!' cried Lupin, frantically, and he sprang like a tiger at Gouchard. Gouchard jumped to the other side of the table. "'Will you accept, then?' he cried. Lupin gripped the edge of the table with both hands and stood panting, grinding his teeth, pale with fury. He stood silent and motionless for perhaps half a minute, gazing at Gouchard with burning, murderous eyes. Then he nodded his head. "'Let Mademoiselle Kirchnoff wait,' said Gouchard, with a sigh of deep relief. Doucet went out of the room. "'Now, let us settle exactly how we stand,' said Lupin, in a clear, incisive voice. "'The bargain is this.' If I give you the pictures, the tapestry, the cabinets, the coronet, and the death certificate of the Duke of Chamorras, you give me your word of honor that Mademoiselle Kirchnoff shall not be touched. That's it, said Gouchard eagerly. Once I deliver these things to you, Mademoiselle Kirchnoff passes out of the game. Yes, said Gouchard. Whatever happens afterwards, if I get back anything, if I escape, she goes scot-free said Lupin. Yes, said Gouchard, and his eyes were shining. On your word of honor, said Lupin. On my word of honor, said Gouchard. Very well, said Lupin, in a quiet, business-like voice. To begin with, here in this pocketbook you'll find all the documents relating to the death of the Duke of Chamorras. In it, you will also find the receipt of the plant and furniture repository at Batonol, for the objects of art which I collected at Gournay-Martin's. 
I sent them to Batinol because, in my letters, asking the owners of valuables to forward them to me, I always make Batinol the place to which they are to be sent. Therefore, I knew that you would never look there. They are all in cases, for while you were making those valuable inquiries yesterday, my men were putting them into cases. You'll not find the receipt in the name of either the Duke of Chamorras or my own. It is in the name of a respected proprietor of Batignol, a Monsieur Pierre Savine. But he has lately left that charming suburb, and I do not think he will return to it. Gouchard almost snatched the pocketbook out of his hand. He verified the documents in it with greedy eyes, and then he put them back in it and stuffed it into the breast pocket of his coat. "'And where is the coronet?' he said in an excited voice. "'You're nearly standing on it,' said Lupin. "'It's in that kit bag at your feet, on top of the change of clothes in it.' Gouchard snatched up the kit bag, opened it, and took out the coronet. "'I'm afraid I haven't the case,' said Lupin, in a tone of regret. "'If you remember, I left it at Gournay-Martin's, in your charge.' Gouchard examined the coronet carefully. He looked at the stones in it. He weighed it in his right hand, and he weighed it in his left. "'Are you sure it's the real one?' said Lupin, in a tone of acute but affected anxiety. "'Do not, oh, do not let us have any more of these painful mistakes about it. They are so wearing.' "'Yes, yes, this is the real one,' said Gouchard, with another deep sigh of relief. "'Well,' "'Have you done bleeding me?' said Lupin, contemptuously. "'Your arms,' said Gouchard quickly. "'They weren't in the bond,' said Lupin. "'But here you are.' "'And he threw his revolver on the table. "'Gouchard picked it up and put it into his pocket. "'He looked at Lupin as if he could not believe his eyes, "'gloating over him. "'Then he said, in a deep, triumphant tone, "'And now for the handcuffs.' Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.